1: Welcome into the DNVR Buffs podcast presented by Drift Car Sharing. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, there's a lot to talk about today. Uh, since we've last spoken, the Buffs women's basketball team capped off an undefeated non-conference schedule. They head into conference play in, I think it's this weekend, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Um, also, as I'm sure you guys know, uh, the Buffs' men's basketball team beat Dayton in Chicago, and boy, was it something else to watch. We're going to dig deep into that game. I also want to talk a little bit about some football stuff. I was out at uh, the 6-0 Academy, Matt McChesney's gym where he trains, all sorts of uh, football players from the NFL all the way down to, uh, actually, Brandon Spano's son, Dimitri, uh, works out there with Phil, Lindsay and... You know, everybody in between their talent levels. Um, and while I was out there, I had a chance to talk with uh, a, re- a bunch of different people. Um, it was Matt's brunch that he was throwing in honor of all of his high school players who he trains, who had signed letters of intent. Uh, this week to go play college football. Uh, some interesting stuff there. Carson Lee, the center who's coming to Colorado out of Cherry Creek, was there. Had a chance to sit down with him for a couple minutes, um, along with Chase Howell from 247 Sports. Uh, had like 45 minutes alone with Matt. He had a lot of thoughts. Uh, had a chance to talk with some of the other guys, you know, commits to michigan notre dame lsu some of the very top high school players in the state um about why they decided not to go to college in colorado and they had some interesting stuff to say um and i want to dig into some of that too because that's kind of the hot topic now why can't colorado colleges sign colorado football players at the top level and uh they got into some specifics. So we're going to get into that too. Uh, That's kind of the plan for today. This is going to be a weird show probably because I'm actually at Denver International Airport getting ready to fly back home for Christmas. My flight board's in like 40 minutes and so I'm going to chat here until I have to go do that and then probably finish the podcast off once I get home later tonight. Or maybe we'll have like the first short podcast in a long time. But I doubt it, though, because there is a lot to talk about with this basketball team. And that is where we're going to lead off after I tell you about drift car sharing. So if you're like me and you're going home for the holidays, then you should definitely be checking out drift car sharing. The way it works is you park your car at their lot outside Denver National Airport. It's like a five minute shuttle ride away. And you leave your car there. You park for free. They try to rent it out. If they can rent it out, then they split the profits with you. It's an incredible deal. Go to drivedrift.com for more information. Uh, Definitely check them out. Okay. So, unless you guys are living under a rock, you know all about what happened Saturday night when Colorado played Dayton in Chicago. It was incredible. Um, I don't even know where to start talking about it. And I probably should have planned ahead. Um, Let's lead into it with kind of like my thoughts heading into the game, which I talked about on the podcast, where I said that I'm a lot higher on this Buffs basketball team than a lot of other people are. And I think there's a bunch of different reasons for that. But the biggest reason why I am high on them is that we've seen the defense. And the defense is sometimes the tough part to get right. Or at least it can be when you have a bunch of guys who want to score and that's kind of the focus. You know, guys who are getting ready to go to the NBA, they want to get the numbers up they don't really put numbers on defense. So to have that part of the game solidified and to be honestly one of the top schools in the pro or in the in the country in terms of defense, that's such a huge place to be already at this point in the season and there's no reason to think that it won't carry over. We saw the defense again Saturday night, but the difference was we saw a better performance from the offense. And again, it wasn't perfect, and I think that that's probably what's most promising at this point. You know, the 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 key detail here, what we've been watching all season, uh, Colorado only had 10 turnovers in that game Saturday night. That's a big change. That puts your team in a much better situation. Uh, they're averaging just under 16. Turnovers per game. The worst in the Pac-12 uh, they were heading into this weekend. So to see them take a step forward there against a good defensive team, that's progress. That's, that's significant progress, and that's something to be excited about. Um, you know, that's that's kind of the tangible takeaway you have here. The biggest thing that happened in that game, though, was all like just the emotions to see all these storylines play out, to see the buffs come out on top in all of them. Uh, You know, point guard McKinley Wright, he was committed to Dayton. And right before it was time for him to actually sign, he decommitted, committed to Colorado. And that kind of set the stage for this matchup. You know, there's also the history in the NIT last year. All sorts of that kind of stuff. Um, McKinley said, I need to win this game. I'm not going to lose this game because of that history that he has personally with Dayton. And a lot of the rest of the team responded, too. And I mentioned this talking to Evan Batty, talking to uh, Deshaun Schwartz, that they basically said, yeah, we're we're hyped, too, because McKinley is. We want to have this for him. We are playing this game for him. Um, Things got even more heated from there. You know when he was saying, "I need to win this game. I want to win this game. All this kind of stuff." Um, Dayton fans went in on him on social media, uh, in in person, uh, saying, "You know, we're happy we don't have him. We don't want that personality anyway. Uh, you guys can have him. We're we're just fine without McKinley Wright." Dayton fans got pretty heated, and I was surprised by that. Um, you know, I had never seen a, a McKinley Wright angry game like like a game where he came into it heated passionate like like when he was on a different level i've heard that he has that in him but to actually see it is different and boy did he respond uh this was the game of his season this was one of the big moments of his career uh he he had a moment saturday night and it's going to be something that i think turns into a. a momentum shift for this whole program i think that this really was a chance to turn the corner again here's here's what happened he went 10 of 22 he took twice as many shots as anybody else on the team put up 29 points um 10 rebounds he was all over the place he did what he's supposed to do when when dayton fans are booing him every time he touches the ball It was something else to watch. He was just in control. He took over. And then when the game ends, uh, he climbs up into the front row of the stands on the courtside seats, right in front of the Dayton section, and starts popping the the Buffalo's name on his jersey just right in all their faces. They're booing. They're screaming. It was something else. I I think that that was a big moment. I think that that's a turning point for this team going forward. You know, they they need that energy night in and night out. They can't afford to not play like that. That's if, if you're going to be a defensive basketball team, you have to have that attitude behind it. You can't just be good at defense. You need to want to beat down whoever you're going up against. You need that type of anger, emotion. They have it in them. It's just can they bring that out when they aren't playing Dayton? Because throughout this whole season, it seems like, you know, outside of the Kansas game. And even in points in the Kansas game, Colorado's really just played to the level of competition. You know, whether they're playing Northern Iowa, uh, whether they're playing a a 13th ranked Dayton squad. When you see them play Kansas even, you know, they went down 12 early. and, And that's kind of the margin that held most of the way throughout that game. It took them a second to settle in, just like it took them a second to settle in against Dayton. When they, I think they were down 12 or 14, 10 minutes into this one. They're playing to the level of competition. There's a little bit of an adjustment period early in games. Second halves, they look a lot better consistently. The the pieces are all there. Right now, it's just about putting them together. And they finally did that against Dayton. And to be honest, they didn't play their best basketball. And that's even more promising that they were able to pull out the win. Um, A whole bunch of thoughts here, but we have to get into Deshaun Schwartz, I think, most of all. Boy, is he really coming on. I'm not sure what it is, but he seems more aggressive. Uh, you know, the buffs cut down the rotation, means more minutes for everybody, including a guy like Deshaun Schwartz. And he's responding, he's he's finding a role. And I think that maybe more than anything, that's what we're learning about this team is that even though you do have McKinley Wright, preseason Pac 12 player of the year, all that kind of stuff, Tyler Bay, who Tyler Bay is an NBA basketball player right now, but he's playing in Boulder. When you have guys like that on the team it's easy to defer to them to give them the ball more than you probably should. As we've cut the rotation, I think that that was kind of a sign I mean for the for the guys who kind of got cut out of the rotation, obviously that isn't a, a sign of confidence from the coaching staff. But for the guys who are still in the rotation, the guys who are who are picking up extra minutes because of that that's obvious, obviously obviously something that they're going to take as wow, I'm I'm doing something right. I'm a key part of this team. I need to keep doing what I'm doing. That that sort of confidence can go a long way, particularly in basketball, especially when you have two guys who are kind of known as the leaders and Evan Batty right in there too. I always feel like I'm I'm leaving him out of those conversations, but he is just, you know, honestly probably the MVP of the season so far just because of how consistently he's played what he's provided uh, on the court in terms of production um, offensively defensively and kind of as a leader as well but in terms of talent Evan is not the same as McKinley Wright or Tyler Bay that's why those two have kind of maybe not even by their own doing, taken over a little bit too significant of roles in this offense. Uh, now that we're seeing Deshaun Schwartz step up, and we've seen this go on for a few games where he's knocking down his threes, he's shooting confidently, he's he's willing to you know, pump fake, step inside, take another shot. You don't necessarily need him creating off the off the dribble or anything like that, but you do need him confidently doing what he's brought in there to do. And that isn't just to be a little sideshow it's to be a very real part of this offense and he's fitting into that niche now and it's it's great to see you know he he said after that last game uh I can't remember who asked him but he said as soon as I saw one go in I, I I I feel like the basket gets a lot bigger and that's huge and uh I I'm really excited to get into Boulder and actually have a chance to talk with him about that. Like, why is that? For for somebody like me who doesn't play basketball, has never played basketball competitively. I stopped in like fourth grade. I was I was pretty good, but uh, it, that that thought that you you see one shot go in, and all of a sudden you think that the rest of them are going in, and they do go in. Is that just confidence? Does that really change things that much, or is it? something else like you lock in the stroke I mean I I don't know I want to dig into that with him but you know that's what he said Thursday night after they played Prairie View A&M and you know it's what we saw you know he he took that one little He caught caught the ball in the corner pump fake defender goes by him steps in he's a foot inside the three-point line not a super efficient shot and just drains it you know that from that point on he says that he's just going to be hot and then he was. I think he finished that night three of five from three. I believe he made his last three attempts from three. Um, and then he carried that into the game against Dayton Saturday night. And against Dayton, you know, I, I was I was there. I was sitting with uh, Chase Howell and Jake Shapiro. We were watching the game at Blake Street Tavern. The spot to be watching Buffs basketball games if you aren't going to them. Um, Josh Scott was back there. Uh, it was... It was a good time. Everybody was going crazy, especially at the end. But as soon as Deshaun made that first three, you know, I looked at Chase and was like, hey, it's like he said, he sees one go in, he's he's in, like, you know, and, and that's what happened. He was hot all night. Um, five of seven from three. That's huge. That's exactly what the buffs have been missing. And to see him provide it, another guy who, along with, you know, Shane Gatling's had a night. Uh, Tyler Bay has had one or two decent shooting games. Uh, Seward, Koontz, Maddox Daniels can be that. They have so many options. And I've said this before, so I don't want to linger on it, but you just need to get one or two of those guys going every night, and you're good. And it has to, it'll switch up your rotation. It changes how you play based on which of those guys you're trusting to throw in the corner and knock down the shot every single time. But just knowing that you have guys who can do that is so important. And right now, it looks like Deshaun Schwartz is a guy who can do that and do that consistently or at least carry a hot streak throughout multiple games instead of just in one night. That's massive. Every time he got the ball, you thought it was going in. When when you saw him catch the ball on the three-point line down one in overtime, knowing it's just straight catch and shoot, buzzer's going to go off. He either makes it and they win or he misses and they lose. You're happy with that. You think that there's a great shot that he's actually going to convert, Buffs are going to win, and that's exactly what happened. There was no doubt. All night, I was looking at Chase and saying, you know, first one went in, like he's seen one go in, and all night he just keeps knocking him down, knocking him down. He's a guy who, if he can keep that consistency, not just throughout a game, not just throughout a a three-game stretch, but throughout a full season, could find himself with a shot at the NBA. Because he does have that size, that three and D potential that every NBA team is looking for. Um, we haven't talked about him as much as an NBA guy. You know, it's it's Tyler Bay, looks like a, a lock to at least get a shot. McKinley Wright is going to be in a situation where he's going to be able to compete for a role in the NBA. A guy like Deshaun Schwartz could find his way there. Um because he has he has an NBA body, he has uh, the potential to have the three point shot to get him there. I'm not saying it's likely, but the way he's played the last couple games, and this is the reason I bring it up, is because I look at him and say, "Wow, that looks like an NBA player." Take that for what it's worth. You know, it, it reminds me of uh, we were up at the Avs game a couple weeks ago. I was I was sitting with Ryan Konigsberg, and we were he saw some picture of. Uh, Oh, it, it was just some somebody in a in a buff shirt with a uh, Mel and a couple of the other coaches. And Ryan said, "Wow, who is that?" He has an NFL head, and it was Jason Harris, who I really do think and I here I I really do think Jason Harris is coming to Colorado. That's what I'm going to say. But um, I I said yeah, he really does have an NFL head. Look at him like. You can tell that he could be a guy who goes to the NFL just based off of the size, based off his body. He looks like he should. Will he ever develop the, the tools that he needs to make that happen? Who knows? But, again, we don't need to linger on Jason Harris. But if, if he does sign, uh, he would become the number one recruit in the Buffs 2020 class just bumping them up the raking so far. Andre Simone has been so hyped. Uh, every time we do a draft podcast, he's been so excited about this recruiting class. And obvi- obviously for good reason. This is the best recruiting class that Colorado's had in at least 10 years. They have talent at so many different positions and positions of need. Guys who you can see jumping in, like I guess maybe Ashad Clayton, they're kind of like star of the class. Maybe not in need, but definitely somebody who can come in and make massive contributions just because he plays a position that can be a game changer in Pac-12 football. Um, ESPN has the buffs, uh, as the best 2020 recruiting class in the Pac-12 South. So much cool stuff. So much hype. Uh, that was a weird tangent, but jumping back to Deshaun Schwartz, you look at him and he kind of has like an NBA head in the same way that Jason Harris has that NFL head. Uh, Deshaun is playing so well. It's so much fun to watch, um, and and they need him. They need him as you know, that one of those starters. The way the the pieces of this team fit together, having a guy like Deshaun Schwartz fill that role is so much more important than on most other teams, because your your two main players, the two guys who you're looking to to be your leaders to make sure that you actually do make the NCAA tournament appearance, to make sure that you do actually win a game once you make the NCAA tournament. They aren't guys who do it all by themselves. It's it's not a guy who's just going to be totally dominant. You give him the ball and let him do his thing, and then you all run back and play defense together. McKinley writes a point guard. Sure, he might be kind of a score-first point guard when he has his like head down, he's driving to the basket. He's one of the best in the country at that. But also, he wants to kick the ball out. Tyler Bay isn't a a creator off the dribble. You don't want him in too many post-up situations. You want to feed him the ball when he's cutting. You know, Have him move toward the basket without the ball as much as possible. They aren't guys who are just going to do it all themselves. They're really good pieces of an offensive system. They can be the most important pieces of an offensive system. But when you don't have guys who are just going to be ball-dominant, putting up 30 or trying for 30 every night, and that's how you're getting carried to uh, an NCAA tournament berth, a sweet 16, whatever it may end up being, you you have to fill out the rest of the spots on that lineup. So you, so you know you have the one. You have the four and McKinley, Wright, and Tyler Bay. At the five, you have Evan Batty, who's really good at what he does. You know, he's big. The the touch around the rim is incredible for how big he is. He doesn't get pushed around. Uh, Defensively, he provides even more than I expected, honestly, coming in the season. Because I didn't realize how athletic he is in combination with that size, because not all of Evan Batty's weight looks like good weight. So to see him get up and jump, to have that touch around the rim, all these different things, he fits that five role really well as your anchor in the post. Then you have Deshaun Schwartz at the three. And if he can keep doing what he's been doing, then there's no reason the Buffs can't make a run at the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. They have that kind of talent. They're they're building off an offensive system, which I think is so much more valuable than having one or two guys who are doing all your scoring, who are t- getting into the bucket off a dribble every single possession. Just need to keep... Building that offensive system and who knows, maybe maybe there is a, a flaw in it. Maybe this system just won't work. And that's the problem we've been seeing. But it's it's tough to write off what this coaching staff is doing, at least in my mind, until we see the players actually execute what they're supposed to be doing first. You know, now that we've we've seen them win when they have a couple guys who can shoot threes, which is an important part of basketball. It doesn't matter what your system is, if you can't make a three-pointer, you're not gonna win a game. And so blaming that on the coaches just isn't, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, now that we've seen them kind of fill out the system, feel out what their roles are with McKinley Wright, with Evan Batty, with Tyler Bay, and now Deshaun Schwartz looking like he fits into that three spot really well as a guy who can you know cut. He's, he has the size to be an effective cutter, the athleticism, the finishing ability. Um, but then also you can put him in a corner and expect him to knock down threes. That's what you're looking for in a three, I think, when you have this combination of players that Colorado has. Now the question is, who is your two? Um, And there's a lot that goes into that. You know, Eli Parquet has been the starting shooting guard for the last couple games, uh, taking over for uh, Dalen Koontz. Mixed results there. Um, He only played five minutes against Dayton. I actually don't think I've heard why that is, but... It's it's a problem. It's a problem. That two-spot is definitely a problem. And if you can find a guy who can just knock down some shots, then you'll be fine. Uh, Shane Gatling took a lot of Eli Parquet's minutes against Dayton. And I think that he's probably my favorite at this point to take the the starting two job, in part because he hasn't filled the role that the Buffs have tried to get him to fill as well as I think a lot of us had hoped. Um, Or at least I'd hoped. Shane Gatling has kind of been that backup ball handler, and now it seems like Colorado just doesn't have one. Forcing Shane to play that role isn't working all that well. I don't know what you do. uh, Whether you try to let Bartholomew play, burn his red shirt, because he is next up behind McKinley Wright, and he will be playing next year. He'll be their backup point guard. Um Right now, it looks like you know the, the game went to overtime, 45 minutes. McKinley Wright played 42 of those minutes. That just might be the recipe for beating good teams. You ride McKinley pretty much the entire game. And that'd be frustrating because you don't want to just burn him out. But he's your best option. And so far, it doesn't seem like there's anybody who can fill in. Since you know that Shane shouldn't be held out just to be the off-the-bench ball handler behind McKinley Wright... I think you just throw him in at that two spot, let him play. Uh, the shortened rotation means that I'm not so worried about who's coming off the bench because they they played they played nine guys Saturday night. Eli Parquet only played five minutes, Maddox Daniels only played three minutes. Really, that's a seven-man rotation, which is crazy. And I don't think it's sustainable. You know, luckily they play Iona. They in even in Pac-12 play, they'll have teams where they can go a little bit deeper and get away with it. But when your rotation, let's just call it an eight man rotation. That means you're having at least two starters in at any point in the game. You don't have to worry too much about saving Shane to be the burst off the bench because the bench unit isn't even like a bench unit. It's just a rotation. Um, Bench players playing with starting players. That's how I see it. At least it does seem like at least four of these five starting spots have been filled. And I think they're with guys that you should be excited about. Um, this first segment's going really long, and it's going to throw off the whole flow of this podcast. But that's that's what I see. Um, I still have some more thoughts, but before we get into those, I do want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, uh, the official beer of DNVR. It's incredible. I'm telling you about the Strawberry Sky today and yesterday. I had a Strawberry Sky for the first time, and like. Probably a month. I went out to our tailgate. It was one of our best tailgates of the year before the Broncos game. Lot N, if you guys want to swing by. Everybody was there. Brandon was there. Lindsey was there. Uh, Allie was there. Kale, Eric, um, all the Broncos guys. A lot of fun. You guys should definitely be out there. And Breckenridge lets us bring a whole bunch of beer to give you guys for free. And it's really good beer. So I had a uh, Strawberry Sky. It was incredible. Uh, the United and Orange was Obviously incredible. I had it warm, and it was better warm than I thought it would be. Um, So keep that in mind if you have to pick a beer that's warm at some point. Um, It was a good time. Uh, Wouldn't have been nearly as much fun without Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, If you haven't checked their beers out yet, you got to do it. Um, After the game, Allie, Monroy, and I went over to Blake Street Tavern to watch the Broncos, or after the tailgate, went to watch the Broncos. And then we went to some Eagles bar, and that was something else. Those Philly people are wild. It was a good day, and it started off because of Breckenridge Brewery. Um, I'd also like to tell you about our friends over at the Denver Rubber Company. Um, You guys know how important it is to be supporting local businesses, and we're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company because of that exact reason. It isn't what you think it is, um, it's the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company has provided the highest quality of products from custom die-cut gaskets, molded rubber, to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming, and we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades. We even witnessed machines that cut the material that's used in bulletproof vests. Remember, Denver Rubber Company makes it all and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. Be sure to call them today for any snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or you can visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. Okay. Um... We talked a lot about the positives coming away from this Buffs basketball game. Just to recap the win over Dayton and kind of what I think I learned, it's that uh, Deshaun Schwartz is really good, and I think he's starting to realize he's good and playing like he's that good. He's an important piece of this offense. I think we're seeing more than ever that Tyler Bay and McKinley Wright aren't guys who are just going to go win games by themselves. They're going to be the leaders of this system and when you, you're you filling out four of the five spots like they did uh, against Dayton, for the five spots in the system, things go really well. You see this offense take a step forward, only 10 turnovers and it, and it wasn't a perfect performance by any means and that's why there's even more room for hope there. Uh, filling out the two spot is important, finding that guy. Um, also, I do think that this could kind of be a turning point, seeing what happens when they play with the energy, play with the focus. Um, McKinley comes out fired up. Everybody comes out fired up. That's what it takes to beat a lot of the basketball teams they're going to face in the Pac-12. Will McKinley get up for Oregon the same way he got for Dayton? He's going to have to. That's just the truth. Um, there was one big problem, though, and I think that it's important to identify, even though so many great things happen in this basketball game, um, and and that was the free-throw shooting at the end of, Of the game, Um, McKinley Wright missed a big free throw. Pretty much could have ended the game. Um, Same thing with Evan Batty. Uh, That's a problem. Those are (laughs) those should have been situations where they could just end the game, but they couldn't pull it out. Both of them went one for two, and allow Dayton to push that game to overtime. If we're really bought into this offensive identity or this team identity where it's defense first, they're fighting with opponents, they're gritty, they're grinding it out, they're winning these close games because that's what good defensive teams do. They force close games and they execute well down the stretch to win those close games. That's the thought process behind defense. It isn't just we're going to defend well, it's we have the offense to pull out the win at the very end. And they didn't execute the way they have to down the stretch to pull out a win like that. Um, McKinley needs to make that free throw. Evan needs to make that free throw. I do want to say Evan Batty's free throw shooting has really improved. And it's something he's been focusing on. According to Tad Boyle, Uh, He went 10 of 11 from the free throw line against, uh, against Prairie View A&M. You know, I'm really excited to play teams where we just know the names and don't have to think about it. Um, I didn't even realize Prairie View A&M's like Texas until yesterday when Chase told me. It didn't even cross my mind to like think about it. And even Chase said, like I didn't even think about it either until I saw everybody on the roster was from Texas. Um, point is, Evan Batty, 10 of 11 against Prairie View A&M. Um, against Colorado, he was 5 of 6. That was his only missed free throw. That's really good, especially for a center. Um you know, it's it's disappointing. That's where the miss came. And it's in a spot where, even though he has been shooting free throws so well, you, you still just have to make that shot. Um, that's what this team is. And it's so obvious that that's what this team is supposed to be to make a run. And the Buffs are in a great spot. You know, I, I still haven't learned all these different places you guys go to see the like, tournament predictions, who gets in, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's going to be part of my... Christmas break project is just reading through all that kind of stuff and getting better at like all of like the, the net rankings and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I've, I've been seeing a lot, you know, it looks like Colorado is like right around a five seed right now in the NCAA tournament. Five seed gives you a decent path to the sweet 16. You know you play that 5-12 game in the first round. That's a game they should win. Then you play the 4-5 game, assuming the favorites win uh, in the second round to get you in the sweet 16. And that's where you play the the one seed. And that's where you're probably getting knocked out by the numbers. Um, five seed's a good spot. If they can move up from there, that'd be incredible. But that's kind of what you're looking at right now based on how this basketball team is viewed. Um not a bad spot to be in. Uh, they they did miss out on getting back into the top 25. Second team out, they were uh, 27th. Disappointing. Um, I don't think that UNI loss is that bad of a loss. I mean, every loss is bad, but it could have been a lot worse. I think it the team being Northern Iowa hurts Colorado a lot worse than uh, a similar caliber team that is called Kansas or Kentucky, uh, those brand name schools. So that's too bad. I think what's hurting more is just that the, the, the Buffs' wins aren't as good as we thought they were at the time. Um, a lot of these teams are kind of falling off. Arizona State, Kansas lost. Uh, so, so that loss becomes worse. It's too bad. I I, it's still early. Um, A lot of chances to prove themselves. You know they play Iona this week on Saturday. That should be a win. After that, you get into Pac-12 play, and that opens at home against Oregon. That's a big one. That's a big one. Oregon jumped up to number six in the uh, country this week. So so that's an opportunity to really take a leap up. Um, We'll win over Iona. Get you into the top twenty-five probably not but if a couple of the bottom of the top 25 teams 22 23 24 25 if if, if they lose then maybe you could jump them uh that's what i'm seeing now at least it's gonna be a lot of fun i'm really excited uh i'm more excited about this basketball team than i have been in a long time thank goodness i had like my hype podcast right before when i said like why are we not super excited about this team right before the dayton game so it looks like i called it um Yeah, I do want to touch on the women's basketball team before I get into all the football stuff. Uh, Learned a lot of interesting things while I was out at Matt McChesney's gym. Again, talking to commits from Michigan, Notre Dame, all over LSU about why they didn't come to Boulder. Interesting stuff. Um, First, we got to touch on the undefeated uh, women's basketball program up at the University of Colorado. Uh, they they finished finished off their trip to Louisiana with a win over Tulane. Um, again, Tulane, a very average Division one program. A game that Colorado probably should win, but when you're without your only senior, who's who's also your point guard, it makes it tough. Um, they're also just outside the top twenty five. I believe they were the fourth team out, so at twenty ninth. Pac-12 play is going to be huge. And they open against Utah on the 29th um, in Utah. So we'll see we'll see how it goes. Because um, after Utah, they play Sabrina Ionescu in Oregon in Eugene. Then they play number 3 Oregon State uh, two days later in Corvallis. Um, one loss combined when you look at Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State. That's going to be a really telling stretch. Honestly, the buffs move up in the rankings if they only lose by 10. That honestly maybe even if they lose by 15, that's enough to move up in the rankings. That's how good Oregon, Oregon State are. And there are a lot of those teams in the Pac-12. So, while it's great that they were able to do what they did in non-conference play, go 11 and 0, Pac-12 basketball is a different animal. Um I'm I'm hopeful. I think I think that all of the Problems you'd expect to see from a young basketball team and I mentioned this on Friday They've kind of gotten past those, you know, the turnovers aren't all that bad. They, they had you know, the turnovers aren't bad the The young players are really stepping up and leading this team. It doesn't look like Pac-12 basketball is too big for them um, Or being a Pac-12 team I guess, but they're also not Blowing games to inferior opponents, and they really aren't playing down to their opponents either, um, like the men's team is. You know, they're consistently beating the teams that they should beat by ten to fifteen points. By ten to fifteen points, their average margin of victory at this point, I think, is still right around thirteen points, um, and they're eleven and zero. So they've they've passed all the tests. They don't look like they're as much of a roller coaster as most young teams are. Here comes the big stuff, though, when they play Oregon, play Oregon State. Um, I'm going to take a quick break to let you guys hear from Ryan Konigsberg about Blake Street Tavern. Again, Blake Street Tavern, my favorite bar in Denver. Uh, I have been there way too much recently. I think I went, like, three days in a row. So many cool people, too. You know, Ryan to Zach Bai from 104.3. Uh, met Les Shapiro, finally. I've been listening to him for forever. Um, it's... We don't need to list them all. I was I was actually down there while Zach By and uh, Mike Pritchard were hosting their show on 104.3, and uh, I was gonna wait it out because Pritch said that he wanted to come on this show at some point. And now we're in the off season. It would be awesome to have him come talk Buffs. Obviously, a top three receiver in Buffs history. Um, but there, I guess I caught the beginning of the show and I couldn't sit there for three hours. Um, Definitely want to make that happen. Blake Street Tavern, really cool place, really cool people. Here's Ryan to tell you more.
0: What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, The Buffalo Chicken Wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. All
1: right, plane boards in 16 minutes, I believe. Uh, So we're going to have to hurry through this. Luckily, I'm in the very last boarding class because I don't fly business or anything like that. I bet that's not a surprise. Um, Let's rush through some football thoughts. Um, again, like I said, Saturday I was out in Centennial at Matt McChesney's gym, such a cool place. All the Broncos, almost all, there's almost, let's just say, almost all the Broncos linemen trade out there uh, every Tuesday or Thursday or something like that, whatever their off day is. Um, he's like working them on the board, he's working all of them like physically. Uh, really focusing on developing players if, if you have if, if you're like a high school football player junior high football player or even a college football player um or you, you have like a son who is or something like that think about getting signed up there because the track record he has developing football players is just incredible um you know you, you have the NFL guys who vouch for him a bunch of NFL guys who come out there you know Matt's been working with Philip Lindsay for 10 years now and Phil's like on the board breaking down football with Dimitri Spano, uh, Brandon's seventh grade son. I don't know. It's a a pretty cool thing to see all these different people work together. Um, But this week was the early signing period and a bunch of Matt's guys were signing all over the place. Um, We know Carson Lee the best. Uh, you guys have probably seen him on Twitter out there recruiting other buffs. Uh, we had a lot of fun talking to him about that. You know, I, I asked him if you could take credit for anybody signing. Like, who who did you recruit? Uh, he said Brendan Lewis, the quarterback out of Texas, was him. He thinks that he had the biggest impact on him. Um, who else did he say? Oh, uh, Jake Ray from from Georgia, Marietta, Georgia, the big tackle. That's another pretty big get. And uh, another offensive line. Who's the other one? I'll, I'll think of who he said. But we had a bunch of fun talking about that kind of stuff. Um, he's really excited to come to Boulder. He starts classes there in like two weeks. He's going to be working all spring. Uh, I honestly think that there's a decent chance that he's going to get a chance to play early on. You know, I asked him if that 333 pound weight from when he went to the opening regional was legit. Was he actually 333 pounds at the end of his high school or his junior year of high school? he said he was, and he peaked at 338 and then he realized that he's cutting it down or that he has to cut it down. Uh, now he said he's like right around 312 and he feels good. He thinks that that's going to be his go-to. Um, so size is not a problem, even though he's going to be a true freshman. Uh, had a lot of fun talking to him talking to his parents um, but I think the most interesting thing that happened was uh I I had a chance to ask a bunch of these top Colorado high school football prospects why they went to Michigan or Notre Dame or those places instead of coming to Boulder and there was one answer that really stood out uh Aiden Kea Na, oh Aiden Kea Nyana. nine nine yeah. He goes by AK. Uh, He's playing in the Polynesian Bowl January 18th. Obviously, big time recruit, defensive lineman who signed with uh, Notre Dame. And it's kind of because Colorado botched his recruiting. Um, It was the last staff. Aiden said that he was, you know, interested, went up there for an unofficial visit, and they didn't even know who he was. Nobody even recognized him. And remember, this is a guy who signed to play defensive line at Notre Dame. Nobody in Boulder under uh, that last coaching staff had any idea. Like, he was saying he had to go, like, check in. And they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm, I'm Aiden. And they're like, who? And like, I'm Aiden. And uh, then he had to go. They're like, okay, well, we'll see if we have a name tag for you here. And the whole time it just felt like nobody was all that interested. Uh, big miss. Uh, frustrating miss. And... <clears throat> You could you could like see the pain in Carson's eyes while while he was hearing Aiden talk about this because the two of them are like best friends and they have been friends for forever. Obviously, working together at McChesney's gym, uh, going up against each other in uh, high school football in Colorado, and I asked Carson like, "What's it like knowing that Colorado had a shot to land your best friend and you guys could have played college football together for five years, but Colorado's coaching staff just botched their recruitment?" And He was he was upset. He was like, I mean, I don't know that Aiden would have actually come to play with me at Boulder. Um, there's a good chance he wouldn't have. But the fact that there wasn't even a shot is just disappointing. Um, he was frustrated. He says that, that stuff doesn't happen under this coaching staff, uh, which I totally believe. Um, that's disappointing um, when when you're talking about in-state recruiting that's how you really screw it up is to not even know the guys who are playing football just right down the road. Uh, They also mentioned, you know, they don't have the history of winning again. These are guys who Colorado doesn't have the reputation that Michigan does or LSU does that tight end who coach O compared to uh, the next Gronkowski. I think he called him. Um, He's, he just wasn't interested out of grand junction. Um, and that needs to change, and it's just kind of sad to see that that's what was happening before, and that you know even even if they're recruited well, they don't see Colorado as a uh, as as good of a football opportunity as those other schools, which totally makes sense. It's got to come around. Um, again, just landing Aiden Kale or or uh, Chase Lopez. I mean. He's probably more more of a Colorado State type. I know Matt's really upset that Colorado State didn't offer him. Uh, he he wound up going to uh, South Dakota, um, which is he's he's gonna get a lot of playing time there. Uh, Reese Atterbury, he's six foot five, two eighty five. He's the third ranked center in the entire country, and he's going to Michigan. They lost out on him too. It hurts. It hurts uh but it's just where we are again, finally getting a chance to meet Carson meet Carson 's family, so impressed uh he wants to win, and that's that's the other theme it's something that he and McChesney really were bonding over was Carson could have gone Carson could have gone and played at Michigan, but he chose to go to Boulder because he wants to turn the football program around that's the attitude that he's bringing in um. And that's why he's been so influential on the recruiting trail, like hitting up all these guys. And he's, he said that a lot of these guys, uh, some of the big name guys aren't used to ha- having this bond with the other recruits. Um, I do want to say that he also said on top of him bringing in uh, Jake Ray and uh, Brendan Lewis, he definitely claims those both as victories. He thinks that Keith Miller is the reason that Brendan Rice is coming to Boulder. Uh, just stuff to keep in mind. I love those storylines as much as any of the rest of this. Uh, That's kind of just some interesting stuff that we learned from them. Uh, Should also say that McChesney is very high on the direction of Colorado football. And I might need to cut up some of the audio that I have because we talked after he recorded his podcast. We talked for probably close to an hour. And I have a lot of it taped. I'll see if the audio is any good because it was like for an interview for a story I'm writing, not for a podcast. But he's he's bought in. He likes the style of football that Colorado's trying to play, uh, this grind it out. Um, he, d- he did mention that all of a sudden, when coaches from CU are calling him to ask about the guys he trains, they aren't asking who else is offering. They aren't saying, like, has has Michigan offered him? Has has USC offered him? That question's just gone now. Whereas under the last staff, that was the first thing they'd ask is who's offered him? And if he said, well Colorado State's in on, they'd be like, eh, who's next? So 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 the difference with this coach or this coaching staff evaluating talent for itself instead of going off of the recruiting services, instead of going off of what the outside perspective of a player is, that's massive. And that's why um, Matt is very excited about the recruiting aspects. Also talking to Carson about why, why he felt the bond with his coaching staff that he didn't with the others. And he said it was because other coaching staffs, whether it was Michigan or you know all these schools I keep naming, uh, they all just say, you know, we want you. We want you to come be a part of this. Whereas Mel says we need you to be a part of this. Because here's what we're trying to do. Here's how you would change our offense. Here's what you would enable us to do. We need you to be here so we can do that. And feeling like you're a part of this program in a deeper way than just, you know, being one more cog who could be the next up at a spot. That's different. Um I'm going to wrap it up there because i got to go catch my flight. Uh, Thank goodness I ended this so I can edit it on the podcast and produce it so I can get it posted. If you guys, as always, have questions, comments, any of that stuff, throw it on the post for this show on thednvr.com, and uh, we'll get to those tomorrow, Christmas Eve. Maybe we need to think of something fun to do for Christmas Eve. I don't know. Probably too late now. Uh, I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Thanks, as always, for listening. Uh, See you then.
0: Like my Colorado sway, cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it, go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly get a books with my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado sway, my Colorado sway. Might not swear, I think they like my Colorado sway. My Colorado swag hey. Speed and pad competition and see you later baby. baby Colorado Army with soldiers like the Navy yeah. and boat is where we stationed patiently awaiting. Whoa. when I hit the field it's so hard to behave sure. I'm Colorado swagging as the crowd do the wave look yeah. into my eyes I can tell that you afraid uh-huh. cause you know we finna hit ya hit, ya. hit, ya. hit ya. Hey. Hey. you on your own now why you watching the official sure. you just better hope you make it to the next whistle and we ain't playing with Till you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the last. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after I team. Think they like my Colorado swag. Cause when I'm in it play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it go, you know I'm at and get a boss with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Man, I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. Have you? We got it we don't, then we'll get them. When we see them, then we out. like my Colorado swag, because when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in it, go, you know I'm acting bad. Holla, get bust when with my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. My Colorado swag. Like My Colorado sweat. cause when a minute play, I don't really know just how to act. And when a minute go, you know I'm acting bad. Holly, get a with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. Mine, I swear, I think they like my Colorado swag.